Om Sam Saraswati Namaha. Namaste. Namaste, everybody. Well, in chapter one, we met too much and too little. And in chapter two, we cut down, devoid of clear understanding, fickleness, haughtiness, the great deceiver, want of resolution, memories, wandering to and fro, and hypocrisy. In chapter three, we cut down disbelief, arrogance, anxiety, blindness, violent temper, passion, misdirected passion, the great deceiver, irresistible temptation, and foul mouth. And then we got the great ego himself. In chapter four, we sang a song to the goddess. And you know what? The goddess said, I like your song. I'm really pleased with you guys. I like what you're doing. I like your way of life. Choose from me some boon. And we said, Sansmrita, Sansmrita. Whenever, wherever we remember you, then and there, you will give us intuitive vision and you'll remove our greatest distress. To which the goddess replied, Tatastu. I give you the boon. You remember me, and you'll forget all the assurance. And you will have no fear because you won't remember anything but me. How can you be afraid when you're thinking of me? There's no place for fear. I am the energy of all in everything, and if you think about me, then you can't think about anything to fear. I have effectively withdrawn my energy from all the assurance, from all the thoughts, from all the fears, from all the, all the craziness of the world. All duality ceases when you live with me. So just remember me. Well, in chapter five, we're going to meet self-conceit and self-deprecation. Another form of passion and anger. He who appears to be a friend. Ah, he's friends with the great deceiver. Sinful eyes, the plunders of peace, those without restraint, the seed of desire, agitated awareness and perplexity. <laughs> These are some of the guys that we're going to meet in the third episode. So let's begin on page... 192 of the Trinity Pot, it's the fifth chapter, chapter five. This is the Biniyoga, the application. Da dum da dum om! Presenting the concluding episode, the reliever from suffering is the seer, the great goddess of all pervading knowledge is the deity, on a strip 32 syllables to the verse is the meter. Remember we had Gayatri Ushnagana, now we have Anastrup. The first episode is the beginning, putting too much in, too little into balance. The second episode is the middle, that's Ushnik Chanda, that's a, a cutting down the armies of the great ego and making the great ego himself to meet his demise at the hands of the Divine Mother. And in this third episode is the conclusion, Gayatri Ushnuk Anushtuk Chandamsi, is the meter, Bhima is the energy, Brahmori is the seed, the sun is the principle, the Samaveda is the intrinsic nature, and for the satisfaction of the great goddess of all pervading knowledge, we had Mahakali in the first episode, Mahalakshmi in the second episode, and in this third and concluding episode, Mahasaraswati, the great goddess of all pervading knowledge, this last episode is being applied in recitation, and now the meditation. Bearing in her lotus hands the bell of continuous tone, the pike of concentration, the plow, sowing the seeds of the way of truth to wisdom, the concha vibration, the pestle of refinement, the arrow of speech, whose radiance is like the moon in autumn, whose appearance is most beautiful, who is manifested from the body of she who is rays of light, 
the support of the three worlds, that great goddess of all-pervading knowledge who destroyed self-conceit and other thoughts, I worship. <laughs> and you notice uh, it says, Shumbhavi Doitardinim. So, she is the one who is being worshipped, the one who cuts down self-conceit. Shumbhavi. And Om Kleem, remember we had Aim Reem Kleem in the third episode, is Kleem, there is, she said, in olden days, there were two thoughts, self-conceit and self-deprecation, who, with the abundance of their excessive self-conceit, robbed the rule of the pure, the husband of the power that rules, and master of three worlds, of a portion of sacrifice. So here are self-conceit and self-deprecation, and both of them have self-conceit. They're both manifestations of selfishness. They're thinking about me. Even self-deprecation is, is full of self-conceit. He's thinking, oh, me, the most important person in the world. Self-conceit is all haughty and puffed up with pride. Self-deprecation is, oh, poor me, I'll never get it right. Mother's going to scold me again. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, if only I hadn't. Both of them are manifestations of my selfishness. And they both got together and robbed the rule of the pure, the leader of heaven, the king of the gods, of his portion of the sacrifice. Those two assumed the dominions of all the gods. I mean, they took over all divinity when they kicked out the rule of the pure as the king of heaven. They sat on the throne of heaven and kicked out all the gods. And they took over, they assumed the dominions of the light of wisdom and devotion and the lord of wealth and the power of control and the lord of equilibrium and made them subservient. Everyone was a servant of the self-conceit and self-deprecation. Who would do anything without saying, me? I am the doer. The effects of emancipation and the light of meditation were also removed. We couldn't meditate. We, we felt bound and obligated and perplexed by various responsibilities. These two defeated the gods, assumed their authority, spoiled the kingdom, and with disrespect, all the gods were put out of heaven. <laughs> Boggle. Get out of here, gods. You don't belong in heaven anymore. Don't enjoy the bliss of infinite consciousness. Having been thus insulted by the two great thoughts, the gods remembered the invincible goddess. <laughs> Sanskrita, Sanskrita, whenever and wherever you remember me. And they thought of the moon the mother of the universe gave to them. You, you remember me and I will take away your every distress. I, you'll forget all about the pain. You'll forget all about the suffering. You'll forget all about the fear. You'll forget all about the Asuras. You remember me. And whatever human being sings these verses, they will get increase in all their cherished desires for life. In any time of adversity, if you remember me then and there, I will eradicate your every distress. She put it in writing in the last chapter. Tatastu, I give you that boon. Come and remember me. And you'll forget all about the craziness of the world. Thinking thus, the gods went to the Devi Mandir. And situated at the king of the mountains in Napa. And there began to extol the goddess, the supreme lord, the great measurement of the consciousness that pervades all the in, 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 incomparable Shreema. And the god said, Oh, we bow to the goddess to the great goddess, to the energy of infinite goodness 
at all times we bow. She's Shiva. She's the energy of Shiv. We bow to nature. She's Prakriti, to the excellent one with discipline. With discipline we have bowed down. It's not, oh, we want to be free from discipline. We want to be free through discipline. To the reliever of sufferings we bow. To the eternal, to the embodiment of rays of light, to the creatress. To she who manifests light to the form of devotion to happiness, continually we bow down. To the welfare of those who bow, we bow. Hey, we are bowing to the welfare of those who are bowing. That means we bow to our own welfare. Pretty clever, those gods. We bow to the welfare of those who bow, we bow. To change, to perfection, to dissolution, to the wealth that sustains the earth, to the life of consciousness, to you. Shreema, we bow, we bow. To she who removes difficulties. To she who removes beyond all difficulties. To the essence, to the cause of all. To perception, to the doer of all. To the unknowable one. Continually, we bow. To the extremely beautiful and to the extremely fierce. We bow to her, we bow, we bow. We bow to the establisher of the perceivable universe, to the goddess, to all actions, we bow, we bow, pranam. To the God, divine goddess in all existence who is addressed as the perceivable form of the consciousness that pervades all, we bow to her, we bow to her, we bow to her continually, we bow, we bow. To the divine goddess in all existence who resides all throughout the consciousness and is known by the reflections of the mind. We bow to her, we bow to her, we bow to her continually, we bow, we bow. To the divine goddess who resides in all existence in the form of intelligence, we bow to her, we bow to her, we bow to her continually. We bow, we bow. And remember, we are following the table of contents which was proclaimed and, and elucidated in the, the Brahmadi Shapa Bimochana. To the goddess who resides in all existence in the form of sleep, we bow to her, we bow to her, we bow to her continually. We bow, we bow. To the divine goddess who resides in all existence in the form of hunger, we bow to her, we bow to her, we bow to her continually, we bow, we bow. And remember these, uh, we are bowing to the order of the table of contents as expressed in the order organization of the chapters of the Chandi. To the divine goddess who resides in all existence in the form of appearance, Chaya Rupena Samstita. We bow to her, we bow to her, we bow to her continually. We bow, we bow. To the divine goddess who resides in all existence in the form of energy. We bow to her, we bow to her, we bow to her continually. We bow, we bow. To the divine goddess who resides in all existence in the form of desire. We bow to her, we bow to her, we bow to her continually, we bow, we bow. To the divine goddess who resides in all existence in the form of patience and forgiveness. We bow to her, we bow to her, we bow to her continually, we bow, we bow. To the divine goddess who resides in all existence in the form of all living beings. We bow to her, we bow to her, we bow to her continually, we bow to bow, we bow. To the divine goddess who resides in all existence in the form of humility. We bow to her, we bow to her, we bow to her continually, we bow, we bow. To the divine goddess who resides in all existence in the form of peace. We bow to her, we bow to her, we bow to her continually, we bow, we bow. To the divine goddess who resides in all existence in the form of faith. We bow to her, we bow to her, we bow to her continually, we bow, we bow.
to the divine goddess who resides in all existence in the form of beauty enhanced by love. We bow to her, we bow to her, we bow to her continually, we bow, we bow. To the divine goddess who resides in all existence in the form of true wealth, we bow to her, we bow to her, we bow to her continually, we bow, we bow. To the divine goddess who resides in all existence in the form of activity, we bow to her, we bow to her, we bow to her continually, we bow, we bow. To the divine goddess who resides in all existence in the form of recollection. Every recollection is a remembrance of her. We bow to her, we bow to her, we bow to her continually. We bow, we bow. To the divine goddess who resides in all existence in the form of compassion. We bow to her, we bow to her, we bow to her continually. We bow, we bow. To the divine goddess who resides in all existence in the form of satisfaction. Santosh, tushti rupeinda samstita. We bow to her, we bow to her, we bow to her continually. We bow, we bow. To the divine goddess who resides in all existence in the form of mother. We bow to her, we bow to her, we bow to her continually. We bow, we bow. To the divine goddess who resides in all existence in the form of confusion. She's there too! We bow to her, we bow to her, we bow to her continually, we bow, we bow. She is in everything, whether true or untrue. If, she's, if we recognize her as, as such, we cease to be confused. It's not confusion, it's the Divine Mother. Look, she's come to give us darshan. She is the unity amidst the diversity. Presiding over the senses of all beings and pervading all existence to the omnipresent goddess who individualizes creation, we bow, we bow. She's, she identifies each individual form, each bhakti root that's existent in creation. She individualizes it. She makes duality. She defines the duality in the form of consciousness. Here is the form of nature. She defines duality in the form of consciousness. She distinguishes the individual phenomena of the perceivable universe. So she is the nature, and she is the consciousness, and she is all the individual forms, and she is the awareness which recognizes the individual forms. We bow to her, we bow to her, we bow to her continually, we bow, we bow. Now this is the real crux of the issue. Purvakal, in days of old, all the gods led by Indra, like in chapter 4 in the Shakrabhi Stuti, the rule of the pure, sang these verses of praise for the purpose of accomplishing their desired objective of surrendering the ego in the light of wisdom. Now they wanted to surrender the ego in the light of wisdom, so they sang these verses. We bow to her, we bow to her, we bow to her, continually we bow, we bow. And for many days that service was rendered. And afterwards you withdrew the energy from the ego and you gave it to the gods. And they all went back to heaven and they became illuminated shining beings. Devos, illuminated shining beings of heaven. And then we got complacent again <laughs> and forgot. And self-conceit and self-deprecation marched up to heaven, kicked us out of heaven, and we fell down from heaven. They usurped the authority of the light of wisdom and the rule of pure and all the other duties that all the gods were performing fell by the wayside. They became subject to the approval of self-conceit and self-deprecation. And now we're singing, we remember, Sanskrita, Sanskrita, we are remembering you, Mom. Because you did it before, and you promised that any time we remember, you'll do it again. So here we are remembering again. May she, the seer of all, the Lord of all, the source of all good, 
performed similarly, similarly for us all auspicious things by putting an end to all distress. Now, she did it before, why won't she do it again? May she please do it again. <clears throat> Don't just sit there, do it. Withdraw your energy from the ego and give it to the gods and let us forget all that's perplexing us. We gods, <clears throat> now listen how this is worded. We gods have been harassed by arrogance thoughts in the manner of humans. We're just like human beings. We forgot our divinity. We gods have been harassed by arrogant thoughts in the manner of humans. And at this time, all of us gods, all of us together, me, myself, and I, all of us, individually and collectively, our entire satsang of divine beings all around the world, all of us gods bow to the seer of all, Ishwari, Maha Ishwari, who, when bowed to with devotion and remembered in a physical image, immediately terminates our every adversity. That's the deal. If we remember her in a physical image, it could be a flower, it could be a pot with a coconut on it, it could be it could be in the form of our guru, it could be in the murti, it could be in the fire, it could any time we remember her with one pointed focus and pray to her with sincerity and an intensity of sincerity when she is bowed to with devotion and remembered in a physical image uh, she will immediately terminate our every adversity that's how it works in chapter four she gave us the boon when you remember me with sincerity and an intensity of devotion, I will then and there remove your every adversity. I will put your minds at peace. I will give you intuitive vision to remind you that you are gods and goddesses who dwelling in heaven. Now here in this chapter, self-conceit and self-deprecation kicked us out of heaven again. We all became filled with selfishness because we are thinking of self-conceit, aren't I good? Self-deprecation, aren't I dumb? And we were starting to think about self. I, I, myself is involved in self-conceit and self-deprecation. They're all manifestations of selfishness. And now we got all the gods together, so they come to the Devi Mandir, we'll sit in front of the manifested image of divinity, there she stands with a thousand arms, but we show her with eighteen, and we put flowers at her feet and fragrance and incense and worship her and give her, bathe her feet with milk and yogurt and ghee and honey and sugar, and we sing songs to her, I bow to you, I bow to you, I bow to you, and... When she is bowed to with devotion and remembered in a physical image, immediately she will terminate our every adversity. That's the contract. If we do our part, we can call upon her. Hey, Mom, we're doing what we said you told us to do, we're doing what we said we would do, we are remembering you in a physical image and bowing to you with sincerity and intensity of devotion and offering you all the objects and from the garden of delight. Won't you do for us what you said you would do? We kept our part of the bargain. Eva must do. And the Rishi said, your Highness, remember the Rishi's telling the story of the king and the businessman. Your Highness, just as the gods were singing that hymn of praise, who would show up? The goddess of nature came there to bathe in the Ganges. <laughs> Coincidentally. <laughs> that supreme empress with beautiful eyebrows asked the gods, whose praise is being sung here? 
and then from within herself an auspicious form manifested and said, Self-conceit and self-deprecation, two terrible thoughts, have defeated the gods and insulted them, and so all the gods have collected here in the Devi Mandir and are singing my praise. And as the mother of the universe emerged from within the goddess of nature, see, goddess of nature came there, and the mother of the universe emerged from the goddess of nature, and because of that, she is known in all the worlds as Koshiki, she who comes from within. She is inside the kosh, inside the covering. She manifested from within of her own volition of her own accord. After the manifestation of she who comes from within, the body of nature became dark and consequently became, became a goddess who dwells in the Himalayas distinguished as the remover of darkness. Kali. She took all the darkness away from us. We became devas again, beings of light. She took away all our darkness, and there she was in the Himalayas as the remover of darkness. And thereafter, two servants of self-conceit and self-deprecation, named passion and anger, came and they saw the extremely beautiful form worn by the mother of the universe. She had a yellow sari with a red border. She had a, a, a pearl necklace and a rudraksha mala. <gasps> then self-conceit was told by them, Oh, great king, there's an excessively beautiful woman whose heavenly beauty is illuminating the Himalayas. I mean, just go right up there and take a look and see who's there filling your Himalayas, the summit. Kailash Shikarei Brahmye, the beautiful summit of Mount Kailash, where Ramya always lives. There's this beautiful, beautiful, excessively beautiful woman whose heavenly beauty is illuminating those Himalayas. Make the journey from the Muladhar to the Sahasra, and there you will find Kailash Shika, the summit of Mount Kailash, where Shiva always dwells. And with Shiva is Shiva. Such an excellent form no one has ever before beheld. Oh, Lord of thought, please find out who that goddess is and take her. So everybody, everything that's worthy of being owned is owned by self-conceit. Who's the owner? I am. Of all women, she is a jewel, and every limb is very beautiful, and the radiant splendor of her body is illuminating all the directions. She is present there. You should see her. Lord of the three worlds, jewels, gems, elephants, horses, the best, all shine in your house. They're all mine. <laughs> they all belong to self-conceit. All the treasures of the world. Of elephants, you have the jewel, love for all, taken from the rule of the pure. Of the trees, the tree of life. Of horses, the horse of wisdom. The most wonderful carrier yoked to the swans of union through control of the breath. The Hamsayukta Bahan, that's the, 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 which before was with the Lord of creation, that was Brahma's Hamsa. Uh, the, the chariot, which was drawn by the, by the swan, the Hamsa, so Ham, now has been brought here and shines in your courtyard the jewel of its kind. Of the nine treasures of the Lord of wealth, you have taken the great lotus of peace, and the ocean has given you a garland of fine lotuses that never lose their luster. The umbrella of the Lord of equilibrium, which causes gold to flow, 
stands in your house. You always, you took all the equilibrium, all the balance out of the creation. It's all yours now. No one's in balance. They've got too much or they got too little. And also the chosen chariot that belonged to the creator of beings. From death, you have taken the supreme energy as moving beyond. And your brother has taken possession of the shining net of the Lord of Fluctuation. You can't even die in peace today. Even moving beyond, which is the treasure of Yamraj, of the Lord of Death. The capacity to transcend. You can't even do that. We all die and become boots and prints. <laughs> and the shining net of the Lord of fluctuation, there is no way to unify the creation. And of the beings born of the sea, self-deprecation has taken the most excellent jewels. The divine fire himself purified two garments and presented them to you. And so... O oh, Lord of thought, of all jewels you have taken the best and most excellent. I am the owner of all the jewels. The best and most excellent belong to me. And of all women, the finest jewel is the goddess of welfare. Why don't you bring her to your house? Hey, if you, if the goddess of welfare, if the energy of all the, of everything belongs to you, then what will be there be to limit your self-conceit? The energy of all in everything is my energy. She serves me. And therefore... My self-conceit will grow and grow and grow. Look at me. The goddess of the universe serves me. Do you know what, Mother? I'm too busy to come to you. I'm too busy to do your puja. You please come down off that altar and come here and serve me. <laughs> hey, Divine Mother, I'm a very important person, you know. I'm Joe Sadhu. And I am doing this sadhana, I'm doing this tapasya, and certainly you want to recognize me and come down from that altar and serve me because I'm so important I don't have time to go serve you. Look at my self-conceit. And when she comes to serve me, there will be no limitation of my conceit. She didn't come. Oh. <laughs> the story goes on. You are going on now? We could stop right here. Yeah. Yeah. Om Sam Saraswati Namaha. Namaste. Let's pause right here at verse number 101 where the Rishi said, and we'll see if there are any questions about making the energy of everything in all belong to me. Yes, please. So, so let's say if you want to eradicate ego. Yes. And is it important just to purely focus on chapter 3? Just Is it you know any effective compared to reading chapter 1 till 13? Yes, read the whole thing. <laughs> they are all manifestations of ego. It's not just I'm going to do this. I'm, just, I'm only going to fight with the ego. I'm not going to fight his general. No way! We gotta fight with them all! This is a big battle. It's not just a one-on-one -on -one combat. He's going to send millions of soldiers with uh, horses and elephants and chariots and you're just gonna fight with him? Before you can fight with the ego, you've gotta get rid of Kam, Krod, Lo, Mo, Moda, Matsarja. You'll have to get rid of a, 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 a greed and anger and a, 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 a ignorance and attachment and jealousy and all the other stuff that you got to get rid of before you can even come to the ego. Read the whole book, cover to cover, if you can. If you don't have time, you don't have time. Do what you can do. 
Today I didn't have time, but I read something else. <laughs> that was fun too. Yes, please. We have a question from Srini in Bangalore. Namaste, Srini Baba. Namaste. What is the spiritual significance of the pestle of refinement? Oh, she grinds our impurities to purity. She churn <laughs> like like a food processor. Huh? She uh, like a coffee grinder. <laughs> no, we had a mortar and a pestle, and or a seal and a nora. Hindi mm -hmm. uh, nora Across the north of India, we have a stone, pressing stones like we grind out the somaras. They are for purification and to squeeze the last juice, the last bit of impure juice out of the uh, out of the devotee. <laughs> That's what she's going to do. She's going to make us squeeze us dry, so we have no more juices flowing. <laughs> Especially the ones that get us into trouble. We have a question from Ambika in Princeton. Namaste, Ambika Ma. Namaste, Sham. Namaste. If the Divine Mother is showing up as confusion, how do we respond to that? Confusion is something we want to avoid or clear away, not embrace like the Divine Mother. Frankly, I'm confused. <laughs> Uh-oh. Let me alleviate your confusion. You're looking at a plethora of up options. You're looking at a multitude of various inconsistent alternatives. Now, if you change your view and just look at the Divine Mother, you'll fall in love with everyone. <laughs> and now it's only a question of electing the most appropriate solution. You're no more confused. You're in love with life, you're in love with God, you're blessed by the Divine Mother, you see her, you don't see confusion, you see her standing and guiding you. You'll take her advice and follow her instruction and choose the most appropriate election. It ceases to be confusion. It's confusion so long as you're thinking, I'm gonna make the choice, <laughs> what's best for me? But when I see that it's her, you make the choice, Mom. What's best for you? I cease to be confused. I become a lover. And you are my beloved. Now, how can I demonstrate the intensity of my love? How can I show you the sincerity of my love? Choose. Make a choice. That ceases to be confusion. That's making the most appropriate selection, so how can I serve you in the best way? Just because I love you. No more confusion. Then I'll leave all differences. All confusion will be gone. And hundreds and hundreds of books of wisdom Tara is my true light. Amon Dean, Kihove Matara. Yes, please. We have a question from Sharanya and Walnut. Namaste, Sharanya. Pranam, please explain the goddess who resides in the form of hunger. How is hunger a form of the goddess? When you hunger for something, you have an intense desire. You have a, a compelling necessity to accomplish your objective. When you're really hungry, I mean, hungry people don't know any boundaries. They do what is necessary to assuage the hunger. It's a compelling necessity, and if I can see God there, then it's no longer the necessity to enjoy for myself. It's the necessity to serve you in the most beautiful way. I have this intensely dynamic desire which must be fulfilled. What is the most pure, the most efficient, the most loving way that I can fulfill this desire to serve you? It's not for me and my greed. 
My desire is only how can I manifest my sincere love for God. We have a question from Laura. Namaste, Laura. Namaste. How may I learn to see the goddess even in people who manifest traits that I find disagreeable? Well, you don't have to love the traits. You don't have to love the disagreeable characteristics. You love the manifestation of divinity in front of you. And now, how can I work with that manifestation of divinity to more move around your traits? <laughs> how can I negotiate around your disagreeable traits so that we can cement our relationship and create the most conducive environment so which is appropriate to accomplishing our objective obviously we came together for a reason we've got some karma to do so now how do we fulfill the reason how do we do the karma and get over this silly relationship <laughs> you don't like me i don't like you that's okay but i love the god within you so let's find out how can we work together and fulfill our objective and move on our ways independently we're going to have to negotiate there's a little dance huh? I did a little bit this morning. David, they ba, karate, ba. Yes, please, Sivan. Um, is there a reason why the, for the deities of the episodes go from Kali to Lakshmi to Saraswati? But, yes. But the beach syllables are aim, ream, clean? Yes. Yeah, uh, Kali first it takes away the darkness. She takes away the darkness and she is the goddess of yoga nidra, she's the goddess of sleep. So she takes away the darkness and she awakens consciousness. And we use the syllable ayin in the first episode because that is creation, it is uh, the, the beginning, it is wisdom. The first, uh, we need the understanding of what we're trying to accomplish here. So what we are trying to accomplish is to awaken Kali so she will wake up Vishnu. Oh, that's how it works. Lakshmi is Hrim and Saraswati is clean in the, third in the third episode. Now those are not the Bij mantras of the goddesses, those are the Bij mantra of the episode. Aim, Hrim, clean. Yes, please. We have a question from Vidyasagar. Namaste Vidyasagar. Namaste and Pranam. Based on what, based on what I think I heard you say, uh -oh. can we say of ourselves that this God has been harassed by arrogant thoughts in the manner of my humanness? Yes, you can. Absolutely, you are the ocean of knowledge, Vidyasagar. You have complete understanding. These gods, all of us, have been harassed just like human beings. In fact, we even forgot our own divinity. You thought you were a boy living with a girl and you were human ad nauseum. And now suddenly we are remembering that we are gods and goddesses in the garden of bliss and we are going to worship the Divine Mother who is going to send us back to heaven and divine understanding. She will awaken us to the fact that you are Vidyasagar. You are the ocean of knowledge. She will awaken you to the truth of your being. You're not a human being harassed by the arrogant thoughts that humans under, suffer incessantly. You are a divine being, you are a God, a shining one, a Deva, illuminated with the bliss of devotion and knowledge. Yes, please. We have a question from Sadhana Shakti. Namaste, Sadhana Shakti. Pranam. The ego is always being mean to itself. Why doesn't it want peace? Thank you. The ego can't exist in peace. The only way the ego can exist is in chaos. The only ego that exists in peace is Shiva Om. And if there is no Shiva home, then there's me! And that's the most important person in my life! 
And then I can be important, I can be good, I'm full of self-conceit, didn't I do a good job? Wasn't that a wonderful talk? Wasn't that great? Wasn't that a funny joke? Wasn't that, weren't you inspiring last night? That's the great ego. I only exist in, in chaos. <laughs> I exist in duality. Otherwise, aham brahmashmi. If there's peace, I'm God. We have a question from Nanda in San Jose. Namaste, Nanda Ma! What is the significance of remembering her in a physical image? Does it mean seeing her in an object in front of us rather than visualizing her form? Yep, that's just what it means means put a physical image in front of you, either a murti or a picture or a flower or a pot with a smiling coconut. Put, her, put something there in front of you so you can see I am in relationship with divinity. Doesn't matter what the symbol of divinity is, it's a symbol. But what we're doing is focusing our attention and concentrating our awareness and to the exclusion of all delusion. We're going to focus our attention in a physical image, in a physical murti. And thereby we can exclude all the extraneous thoughts. Every time the mom wants to run away, we got to grab it by the scruff of the neck, come back, mind, you sit here and look at her. There she is, the Divine Mother. And mind says, no, I want to go to the movies. And we say, mind, come back here and look at her in a physical image. I am bowing to her, we bow to her, we bow to her, continually we bow, we bow, and that's how it if you just close your eyes and say, okay, God is everywhere, I'm going to remember the God who's everywhere, you're jumping over the ocean. <laughs> you can't skip a step. You've got to take the, the path. You've got to take the path up the mountain. You can't fly. I wish we could fly, but don't get ahead of yourself. Don't try to fly before you can walk. Put a physical image there and don't just close your eyes and say, okay, I'm going to worship the formless God. Look at me, I'm in meditation. <laughs> Didn't work. <laughs> put scotch tape on my eye, huh? That will help. We have a question from Julia. Namaste, Julia Ma. Namaste. How is it possible for gods and goddesses to be selfish? You and Ma have also said that we choose to come back to the earth in order to act as, in, of, as instruments of peace. And Swamiji, you have said that you chose to come back here to the path of evolving and bringing others along their spiritual evolution. Can you please clarify this question of forgetting and choosing? Yes, every time we choose to come back, we will forget. If we're in a human body, Ram suffered, Krishna suffered, Shiva suffered, and Brahma suffered, Vishnu suffered, and do you think I'm not going to suffer? <laughs> I will suffer and I will forget, but then I know the path, I remember the path by which I can remember. Sanskrita, Sanskrita, who sang these verses in the past? came back to me immediately and I withdrew the energy away from the ego and self-conceit and self-deprecation and I gave that energy to the gods and soon they were shining again. It's not that you're not going to come back, it's that when you come back you remember. You remember how do you take the journey? How do you go to the Kailash Shika? How do you go to the summit of Mount Kailash? Where's, where's the path? Yes. <laughs> I came back. <laughs> 
Yes. Okay. And how How come she became eagle? She was Daksha's daughter. Sakti was born from Daksha. Okay, she was the daughter of ability who was full of ego. He said, look at uh, my power, look at my capacity. I have every capacity. And Sakti, who was true existence and the manifestation of divinity, when she took a a body born in the house of Daksh. She was endowed with the spirit of forgetfulness. Why? Because she became just like her parents, just like her dad. Why God did that? I, mean, I can't tell you that. <laughs> That's not a fair question. Why did God make creation like this? I can't answer that question. All I can tell you is what do we have to do in order to go back? And that is remember. Remember who we are. Remember why we're here. Remember what we want to do. What is our goal? What is our objective? And what is the path by which we will achieve it? Those are the things we have to remember. It's not that I'm not going to fall, but when I fall down, how do I get up? I have to remember, oh yeah, I fell down, I'm just going to sit here until somebody comes and picks me up. No, 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 it won't work that way. I have to remember, when you remember to the goddess who dwells in all creation in the form of energy, we bow to her, we bow to her with discipline, we have bowed down continually, we bow down. Then I know the goal, and I know the path, and I made a budget, and I'm proceeding along the way, according to my capacity. Yes, please. I have two questions. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, the first is, what, what does it mean to actually bow down? And then the second is, is it, is it only her blessing us that allows us to bow down? Let's take the first question first. What does it mean to bow down? It means every behavior I perform, I respect my action. I remember you in everything I do. I bow to you. I bow to you by making puja. I bow to you by cooking. I bow to you by cleaning. I bow to you by chopping wood and carrying water. If I perform my actions in this world with love, with respect, with remembrance, with equanimity, without selfishness, I'm bowing to you. And that's what it means to bow down. It's not just, oh, I'm going to touch your feet and stay there until you feed me. And then you can wash the dishes because I'm still bowing down. I'm just going to sit at your feet and let you do all the work. That's not going to work too well. So that's what it means to bow down. I do everything I do with respect. Respect my actions. Now the second question. Is it only her blessing that allows us to bow down? No, it's Kripa. It's what I'm doing is what I'm getting. If I am giving respect, I get to bow down. If I give love, if I give gentility, if I, if I take on her form and destroy all hostility, I am bowing down. That's what allows me to bow down. Certainly it's Kripa. It's her grace, it's her blessing, but it's what I do to earn her blessing that gives me the blessing. So, as I sow, so shall I receive. As you give, so shall you get. And this is the form of the pin, again and again and again. This is the form of the pin with Discipline, we have bowed down. As you sow, so shall you receive. That's what bowing down is about. That's her grace. That's what I do. That's what you do. That's what we all do by respecting our actions. We cultivate, earn that grace. Kripa. Kri means do.
means pow, get. And the kripa is do and get. And once we understand that, once we understand that getting is the result of giving, then we want to give the right thing so we get the right thing. We want to give the best so that we receive the best. We want to give the highest sincerity, the greatest intensity, the highest respect, because that's what we'll get. We have a question from Krishna in London. Namaste, Krishna! Namaste. As I chant the Chandipat, will it also elevate and light up those, the lives of all those around me? In some measure. Not as much as if they did it themselves, but certainly all in your circle and all of influence and all in your sphere of interaction will receive the fruit of your chanting the Chandi because they come into contact with an individual in whose heart this kavach resides. And wherever you go, you are victorious. And everyone sees your illumination and they see your poise and they see your centeredness and they see that you are working with consciousness and the respect that you offer through your actions, how can they help but be affected by it? So they are affected not only by your reciting the Chandi, but by your living the Chandi. You inspire others to live it as well. We have a question from Moshami in Boulder. Namaste Moshami. Pranam. Often I have a difficulty in discriminating my egotistic action from my duty of speaking out during certain unfairness at the workplace. Should I rather do a complete surrender to the goddess who will take care of it and keep myself absorbed in her bhava? Thank you. Mushami, we have a duty to speak out against injustice just as we have a duty to speak for justice. So you will understand yourself when it is appropriate, in what circumstances and in what tone of voice do you want to speak out? Are you going to create more trouble for yourself and exacerbate the situation? Are you going to make your rivals even more angry? Or are we at a point in our negotiations where we can exchange in a level, uh, a level playing field with complete understanding? Will your instruction or your disruption. Well, will your instruction be a disruption or will it actually be the conveyance of knowledge? That's the criteria. If you're going to exacerbate the situation, then I suggest you be quiet and deal with it later according to your capacity. If we have a, an objective error, then I suggest that perhaps we can negotiate the rectification of that error. We'll find a solution. So judge the environment and judge the circumstance and judge the temperament of the people with whom you're discussing and figure out, is it going to be a, a negotiation or is it going to be a confrontation? And then act with wisdom. Act accordingly. Yes, please. We have a question from Svarupananda in Seattle. Namaste, Svarup! Pranam. The goddess of nature is described as that supreme empress with beautiful eyebrows. Why the focus on her eyebrows? <laughs> well, they're really beautiful. But they were donated by Sandhya. And Sandhya is the time of prayer. It's the union, the junction. And there are four sandhyas for Sri Vidya meditators. There's the junction between night and day, which we call morning. And there's the junction between morning and afternoon, which we call midday. There's the junction between day and night, which we call evening. And there's the junction between night and morning, <laughs> which we call midnight. And those are the four sandhyas. Now when we look at her eyebrows, we see the time for prayer. And the time of worship is the time that brings us to our center, to our 
position of remembrance so that we feel the piety, sanctity, the holiness, the inspiration to move into our own centers. Om Sam Sarasvati Namaha. Beautiful. Namaste.